Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Okay, so today I want to share with you guys listening and Abby a new Instagram account that I've been following and nerding out on. And there are a couple of posts from their account that I want to kind of like break apart today and ask your just thoughts and opinions and your take on why the statistics are what they are. So the account that I'm talking about for everyone who's able to pull up Instagram right now is chart R daily. I guess it's charter daily, but there's no E. So it's chart letter R daily. It's an Instagram account that posts charts. And so they pull statistics from sources. They source every single one of their Instagram posts at the end of their caption and kind of talk about it briefly in the description on either their take or their asking questions. But they also have a really cool email list that you can sign up for. And I think once a week, they send you an email and they break down one or two of their charts that they've shared lately in more detail. And so if you like nerding out about data and statistics and charts, I think you would really like it. I I mean, love- I just glanced at it yeah. and I'm already like, oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I love looking at charts. I cannot make them because I don't understand the math behind like how to get statistics or whatever, but I truly, truly love looking at them and reading them and kind of picking them apart. Well, um, I think it's going to prompt some interesting discussion today. Yes. Yeah. So there's four that I've picked out specifically that I want to talk about today because I think they're applicable to conversations we've had in the past or just our industry in general. But if you guys want to follow along, definitely go look at them. I will make sure that the links of these specific Instagram posts are in our show notes. But I scrolled back on their entire Instagram account. It's not that terribly like full yet. So they should be easy enough to find. So the first one that I want to tackle is the Shopify chart. So the the question is, Shopify is growing, but can it take on Amazon? And so it has a chart that a chart that shows revenue, annual revenue of Shopify and Amazon over 
a five years from 2013 to 2018. And you can definitely break apart. You can explain to people what it's actually showing. But I was really interested even seeing Shopify and Amazon's name in the same sentence. Like I was, I was unaware that they were even remotely competitors, but I guess they are. Well, if you think about it, they're, they're two major online e-commerce platforms. The major difference when you think about setup is Amazon is collecting all of the shops, all of the accounts, all of the merchants in one place. So like Amazon, honestly, is a lot like Etsy, where you can like search, find what you're looking for and purchase and who you're buying it from is like less relevant. You know, whereas how you're going about purchasing on Shopify is like totally different because they don't have like a centralized platform. Right. Well, and reading the description, they break down a lot of this chart, even in the description. And this is probably where I just wasn't even making the connection. So Kylie Jenner, you guys know, has her makeup line, right? And it's done extraordinarily well. I didn't know that her makeup website, her online sales is hosted on Shopify. And so according to Forbes, Jenner pays roughly $500,000 a year, which is a tiny slice of her sales, less than like not even half a percent, which is how Shopify makes its money. So if you think like if Shopify is able to get like a good amount of really successful retailers on using their platform, it's definitely more customizable than selling on Amazon. Like for sure. It's just like Etsy, what you were saying, when you're selling on Amazon, you're selling on Amazon, not your own site. Yeah. I mean, it's not shocking, but it's also like interesting to see that they're what they're trying to ask or get you to think about is even though Shopify is quickly growing because of people's desire to have their own space and have their own kind of place to take up on the internet. And like, that's how they're making money. The problem that we, and I've seen a lot of discussions about recently is has Amazon change too much about the shopper experience that it's preventing growth for people regardless of what other platform they're using. So for instance, the prime model specifically. So just the implication of they relatively have low prices, like 10, you tend to see low price items first. And then when you purchase them, the majority, I would assume, is buying on Prime shipping, which gives you free shipping. It arrives quickly. It's all, it has like a centralized shipping kind of system. And so it's almost as if you're working with a big box. And I think a lot of people think of Amazon as one place, even though it's a huge conglomerate of retailers all in one location. Like I, I honestly think the majority of people have stopped looking at the little shop oh, in the 100%. corner. They 100%. are looking a little bit at reviews to mm-hmm. see if the product itself is quality, but I think they but forget really that that's, yeah, I think they forget that it's like, that's a review of not only the product, but of the mm-hmm. retailer, not Amazon. Well, And I just think about them as two completely different platforms in the sense of like, I go specifically to Amazon to buy like toilet paper, right? I don't buy clothes from Amazon. I don't buy jewelry from Amazon, but I also don't go to Shopify in the the same way that I go to Amazon. Like I don't 
I go to Etsy to search some stuff and then hopefully find shops that have the thing that I want. But I'm going to go to like, if I want to buy something from Kylie Jenner's makeup line, I don't know or care that it's hosted on Shopify. So it's just very interesting how there's like intentional choices to go to Amazon for these particular things. You might happen to buy something using Shopify's platform, but that's not necessarily the goal that you're after. No, I don't disagree. But I think the issue that people continue to bring up is, has the prime model disrupted too much what other small business owners are having to do to compete? Right. Well, I've seen some of this conversation pop up in the handmade jewelry community where a couple of other clay artists are turning more to made to order instead of like creating a stock, selling it, selling out, and then shipping those items. They're instead like hosting up their shop and nothing is made yet, but they're doing like still max quantities of specific items because they can only make so many in a month or week or whatever. But their turnaround time is obviously not next day for shipping. It's I need to see that your order comes in. I need to make that order. And hopefully there's been tens or twenties of other orders of that same thing. So I can make bulk at the same time and then finish it, package it, ship it. And so there's been like a 10 to 15 day processing time for these. And one particular Instagram account I follow is like kind of posting some of the slack that she's getting from a very small portion of her audience who are like complaining about the processing time. And so I think it's kind of that where Amazon has convinced us that like we need to get everything quickly and super fast when like we forget when we're buying from people who are literally making the thing that you just bought, it cannot physically be shipped out next day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they're like calling out in their stories where they're like, remember, I'm not Amazon. <laughs> like I'm making your item. No, and I for have to sure. Do no. And I think, I think that's kind of what they're saying in this post too, is that if, if Shopify wants to ultimately beat out Amazon, they have to help the small man, or in this case, I'm sure it's also a lot of larger brands they have to help those brands with marketing so that they can overcome some of the obstacles of it's just a mindset around how retail works. Like before Amazon, you always expected to pay shipping. Oh yeah. Or wait like 10 days or more. (laughs) Yeah. Like things were slow. This just happened to me the other day where I needed needed is relative term. I was looking for <laughs> I was looking for a new dress and shoes for a wedding that I'm going to go to on Sunday. And so the Friday the Thursday before, no, two Thursdays before the wedding, I started shopping online. I didn't have time. I didn't want to go try on stuff at stores. I just wanted to buy something online and be done with it. Well, I don't go to Amazon for that. So I know that they I'm either going to be paying shipping or I'm not getting it in 2 days. So I'm looking, I thought ahead of time. So I head on to Nordstrom Rack. I find a dress and shoes. I buy it. As soon as I get the confirmation email, it says, your order will be ready to ship in three to five days. Like not even shipped, but ready to ship in three to five days. And I was like, what? Like deeply offended. And it took seven days, five of them being business days for it to actually ship. So I got the notification like yesterday or the day before. The wedding is on Sunday. I'm not going to get my items until Tuesday. And so I'm just going to have to turn around and return them at the store. But it was one of those like, 
I knew there was going to be a delay, but I didn't expect it to be that long. And I'm frustrated. Mm -hmm. But I literally think you're only frustrated because in the past, higher expectations. In the past, you would have shopped further in advance. Like I remember as a kid, we would shop, and not granted, as a kid, we did significantly less online shopping because I was like, I don't think I did any online shopping as a kid. I'm trying to think of like where the threshold was because because I know. back in the day, like if you knew a wedding was coming up, I don't. I remember going to the mall with my mom like a month in advance. Like right, you right. you shopped when that invitation came out. You didn't wait because right. you might have to go to six stores. Right. Yeah, which is what I was trying to prevent by looking online, but then it took forever. So, but I found something and I did end up going to the mall and I found something and I got it and I'll just return my stuff. But it was an interesting comparison to me to see. So I think it's interesting. I'll I'll say one more thing and then we can move on from this Shopify Amazon thing. (laughs) I personally... I'm still okay with shopping Amazon. I think some people have, oh, yeah. I think some people have boycotted because yeah. of what it's done to small business. Well, and for other reasons, there are brands that Amazon chooses to continue to carry that are problematic, which is a definitely an issue. But I think at the end of the day, ease and simplicity wins out time and time again. And Amazon continues to prove that. So, okay, the next chart that I want to look at is the Lego versus Louis Vuitton. Now, this one is fascinating. Okay, so what's the chart? The chart is is showing Lego, Louis Vuitton, and Hasbro. So three major brands, two of them toy brands, one of them a fine fashion brand. And it's showing... Their profit margins, basically. Yeah. So it's it's looking at, if you were to look at a dollar for each line and revenue of that dollar, how much is cost of goods? How much is other costs like with the company? And then what is the net profit margin? And it's comparing that across the board. Because I mean, obviously, Lego versus Louis Vuitton. The Louis Vuitton is going to be way more expensive, but they're breaking right. it down by but the dollar. I want, before we tell you guys, I want you to just make a guess in your head who you think has the highest profit margins. So who is keeping the most money for every dollar that they make in revenue? Just like make your guess right now. Okay, now we're going to tell you. Lego. It's Lego. Lego. I So Lego makes, keeps 22 cents of every dollar that they earn. Louis Vuitton keeps 15 cents and Hasbro keeps 5 cents. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, and so I think part of this if you were to look at it and break it down, I'm honestly not surprised that Hasbro is on the low end of this because Hasbro's variety of toy manufacturing is like way more diverse. Like they're not like... Yeah, so it's saying in here for you guys who want some context, Hasbro is the company behind games such as Monopoly, Jenga, and Operation, and they make toys for, for Marvel, Star Wars, and My Little Pony. But even such iconic brands, Hasbro only managed a 5% profit margin, less than a quarter of what Lego achieved. But Lego sells... Legos. Well, but Lego, I mean, Lego has become a bigger brand, but for the majority of their product line, little teeny blocks, like, and they're all kind of manufactured the same way. So I'm not surprised that because Hasbro makes such a huge variety that like, and when I think of Hasbro, 
not that I don't think quality with Lego by any means, but when I think of Hasbro, I think of like, well, they're more intricate. Yeah. Like higher end, like, right. It's not a plastic box. Like it's a intricate detailed toy potentially. Right. And packaging I'm sure is much more expensive. Sure. So then when you're looking at Lego versus Louis Vuitton, this is where it gets really interesting because Louis Vuitton has like their niche, obviously they're in bags and other high-end luxury items. Well, they also, it says they own other brands such as Louis Vuitton, Givenchy, Christian Dior, one I can't pronounce, and Tag Mm -hmm. Pure. What's that one? This is how fancy I am, guys. No, we're not And about 70 other brands. I didn't know that they owned all of those. So that's all. That was surprising to me too. But they're all in the fashion space. Oh yeah, and very high end, high, high, high end. But so in 2018, it's saying Lego managed to squeeze out 22 percent net profit. That's amazing for how big that company is too. Like holy, yes. and they have physical stores and they run really high like dollar commercial and campaigns like. That's bananas to me. Yeah, I haven't seen Louis Vuitton advertising in a long time, but I also don't. Well, I don't think we're in those spaces. Right. Right. I don't. It's more print. Yeah. I'm not around that jazz. (laughs) I'm not around that life. So anyways, I thought it was really interesting to see. I love looking at other companies and how they make their money and how much they keep and how it works. And I think the thing to really take away from this, because what... Louis Vuitton and Hasbro do have in common is that they offer a wide variety of goods where Lego is much more simplistic. And so I think if if that's really the key differentiator that we're going to really pick apart, I think that that's definitely worth advice that you guys I know are hearing from us and other people even in this space. Well, and I would also say that this is an opportunity to talk about price And that price doesn't necessarily determine how much profit you will make. And often when you are in the higher end market, even if we're just talking like higher end isn't a couple of thousand dollars versus a couple of hundred or $10 versus $150. Like if you're comparing those two kinds of things, increasing your price doesn't always mean you will increase your profit because sometimes you have to market more heavily to get the same sale or you have to have more staff or you have to like, there's more things involved with you selling a higher price product. And I mean, I'll say that all day long. Like, and I know for some of you, you're like, okay, sweet. I'm going to then do a lower mar- or a lower price product, but you forget that lower price requires more mass market. And so there's a balance between Louis Vuitton can sell a lot less items overall and still make 15% and still earn a lot of money. (laughs) And Lego, while they're making 22%, it's probably only 22% because they're making so So many of them. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. 
I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm on the Lego site right now, though, and I do think we forget the high-end kits that Lego sells. So there's one on here for $700, a Lego kit for $700. But is that their average? Like, No, I'm sure it's not, but it's on their homepage. So, you know, um, it's just a thing. It's a, it's, a diff- it's a different world. I don't understand the Lego or the Louis Vuitton world. I own none of those things. <laughs> You don't have Legos? Mm-mm. No, and I actually do take that back. I do have a Louis Vuitton, but because my aunt gave it to me for free. I wouldn't say I would never buy it, but it's always been one of those like, oh, that's not my world. 
So the next one I want to talk about is what could Apple buy with its pile of cash? Oh, I like this. This one is really fun. It's just a fun one to break apart. I think we've actually broken this apart before, not necessarily for their cash reserves, but for like when... Uh, we did this in an email or some sort of marketing campaign where it was like someone went public and this is how much money like they were being sold for or whatever. Like, what could you actually buy with that to kind of break it down? And so doing those kind of games like is really fun for me. So first of all, let me let you know how much Apple has in its savings account. Let me just hold on to your panties. $225 billion. Billion with a B is in their savings savings. Well, I'm sure it's diversified, but still. (laughs) It's in their cash reserves. It's for cushion. And so this chart is literally just breaking down. What could they could they buy? Who could they gobble up is basically Mm -hmm. what I'm seeing here. So Mm -hmm. Manchester United, which I'm pretty sure is high in vehicles. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know. Is that not a soccer team? Maybe it is. <laughs> it looks too fancy for me. <laughs> okay, but brands you would recognize, they could buy Twitter just like with chump change. I'm just going to Twitter. I'm just going to take 27 billion dollars and buy Twitter tomorrow. They could. Yeah. Manchester United is a football club. Okay, <laughs> I knew that. Not a car. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm a little... Do they own a soccer club? I'm surprised that Apple doesn't already own one. I mean, I, it's not saying that they don't. No, for it's sure. Just saying, no, they buy I, was just, I was just spitballing here. But, <laughs> okay, so you can buy a soccer club for... Or football for the rest of the world. $3 billion. That's like buying a McDonald's Coke for them. Yeah, yeah. Like, let me go through the drive-thru and just pick up this... <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I just can't quite imagine. So they could buy a, a soccer club. They could buy Twitter for $27.7 billion. Mm-hmm. They could buy Ferrari, which is a car. <laughs> yeah. See, this is why you're confused. Because Ferrari looks about just as fancy as Manchester United. Yeah, their logo. But yeah. they're also both European brands. They could also buy Nike for $130 billion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even with all of that, even if they said yes to all of those purchases... They would still have $25 billion left over. And just so we know what a billion is, that's a thousand million. Yeah. Or, or <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do uh, it. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. So <laughs> I looked up what does Apple own, right? What okay. have they actually bought? And their largest acquisition, so not necessarily their most recent, but their largest, which I think will be surprising to a lot of people was back in 2014. It was only for $3 billion. That's been their largest acquisition, $3 billion. It was when they bought Beats, the headphones. That's their largest acquisition? That's their largest acquisition. Isn't that so amazing? I just... They, so they are conservative is what that tells me. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> definitely what that tells me for sure. And I, I can't say I'm surprised given if you think about Steve Jobs... And all the things he went through in his career before he passed away, he went through so many crazy market turns that I'm not surprised that even though he is like the marketing genius of the century, that 
he also wanted to develop a culture where they were focused on growth and like always being the best, but also like not being too distracted by what's going around on the world around them. Although this is interesting. So this is on Wikipedia. So first of all, Apple has not released the financial details for the majority of its mergers and acquisitions. So we won't know the majority, but their business philosophy is to acquire small companies that can easily be integrated into existing company projects. For example, Apple acquired eMagic and its professional music software, Logic Pro, in 2002. The acquisition was incorporated in the creation of the digital audio workstation known as GarageBand, which some people probably use. The company made its first acquisition in 1988 with its purchase of network innovations. And in 2013, Apple acquired 13 companies, more than it has in any other year to date. Their largest acquisition was Beats, as I said. Of the companies Apple has acquired, 71 were based in the United States. This is the interesting thing out of all of this. In early May of 2019, so this year, CEO Tim Cook said to CNBC that Apple acquires a company every two to three weeks on average, having acquired 20 to 25 companies in the past six months alone. Whoa. But they're also huge. So like, if you were Mm -hmm. that big, like that's still probably conservative. I don't know. I'm not in that world. But like, so fascinating. And I'm not surprised that they're going after things that can enhance their product. Because what they're doing is not that these other companies would be competition, but like they might get to market faster with XYZ. And they're saying, okay, I'm taking you on. I'll sell you for millions. And I'll brand and you as Apple and then all and the dip out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, so sure. I'd love to know, and I'm not sure if it really dives into it there, but while they're bringing stuff on that may enhance software or tools, I'm curious if that also means parts of the manufacturing process. So like... I wouldn't be surprised. You know, like chip companies and like... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like And I'm sure that's a lot of the stuff that don't share because I feel like that's more of their like strategy and intellectual properties potentially totally kind of stuff totally like and so. especially because whether you realize it or not even though Apple is Apple and everything if you're in the Apple world everything looks alike if you were to like break down the technology behind it there's so many things that are shared across major like cell phones, right. laptops, blah, blah, blah. Like they're, they're using a lot of the same processors, a lot of the same parts and pieces. So it'd be interesting if they were like, oh, well, we know this is next. We're going to use it, but so is Microsoft or so is Android or so, you know what I mean? Right. Totally irrelevant to phones, but this reminded me of it. And it's kind of a feel good story. I want to say it was... Subaru. Please correct me if I'm wrong, if anyone actually knows this. But way back in the day before seatbelts were a thing in cars, I think it was Subaru who, maybe Volvo, one of them, they invented seatbelts, literally seatbelts. And they knew it would save lives and they were going to integrate it into their cars. And what they could have done was trademarked it, kept it to only like only Subarus or Volvos or whoever I'm talking about could use. But instead, they put it out onto like the free market space or whatever and just like did not trademark that idea or concept. So every car maker could use it because they knew it was going to save lives. And so I just think that that's a really cool thing where sometimes companies like come up with these really cool either tricks or literal life-saving hacks 
And there's still good people out in the world who are like, everyone should know this because it's going to save lives. Yeah. I don't think that's an uncommon story even today. You just don't necessarily hear all the feel-good news on the anywhere. <laughs> right. I'm going to try to Google that to get the actual car maker. So sure. More cool. Okay. But the last graph I want to talk about is what's your Facebook account worth? And so this one is really interesting. So let me explain it to you a little bit. A, it depends on where you live. But this one was also posted back in February when I think that there was some beef going on with Facebook. There was some like drama. But this chart breaks down to find out just how much Facebook makes from advertising to each user by geography. So unsurprisingly, the US and Canada are their most valuable accounts with each one bringing in an average of $112 of ad revenue over the course of 2018. European accounts are the next most valuable whilst Asia Pacific and ROW are lagging at around $10 per user. For Facebook, however, they represent an opportunity as their biggest and still fastest growing regions, the potential for new revenue sources is phenomenal. So we are worth around $112 to Facebook. That's honestly pretty significant. Like if you... Yes, that's massive. Like way more than I would have thought. And that's honestly, when I looked at this chart, what I thought it was going to be was that your account is like worth that amount to someone else as in like it could be sold in the black market but that's not what this is breaking down it's basic it's basically what is the ad revenue generated from a certain region on average so and then it also has user growth in the region so the u.s is not growing i mean we're in the like what maybe one or two percent growth category right now but asian pacific is somewhere between like 14, 15, 16, somewhere around there, percent growth. And when you're year over year, when you're looking at that, I mean, even though it's a smaller amount, they're like, no wonder that they're focused on Asian markets. Yeah. So I just thought that was interesting because I think, you know, we all have our opinions and our beef sometimes about Facebook and about advertising in general, but this shows you truly how much money companies like Facebook can make. And Facebook's not alone in being the you know moneymaker for serving you ads and other platforms. But I think clearly it's a them deciding to open up ads on their account or on their platform was a profitable decision, probably. Sure. Well, and I mean, it is the way they make money because yeah. when, you know, they talk about when you get something for free, then you are what's being sold. I'm curious, does it bother you? Do you dislike no. Facebook ads? Nope. I freaking love them. I might be the black sheep in this. I freaking love being sold to. I love ads. I love targeted ads. I It makes my life so much easier when I'm like searching for something and then I know I'm going to be served up better versions of whatever it was I was looking for or when I'm reminded about products or tools or softwares that I could use that could be helpful to me in my life. I honestly have started to look at ads as kind of like an assistant, right? Who's just like searching and finding these things that might make my life easier and presenting me the option. Yeah. I I love them too. And I think they've been helpful for me. I By no means do I buy things from ads all the time, but 
I'll often be like thinking about something or have searched something or whatever. And it comes up with something where I'm like, oh, I didn't even know this existed. But now it opens like a whole new world for me. Not that I'm going to like rush out and grab it necessarily, but I'm sure I've bought things from ads. I've definitely bought some weird things late at night <laughs> from the ads, like hair extensions that I don't need. <laughs> I've definitely bought stuff from ads and there have been some of my favorite products in my life that I have bought from mm-hmm. ads. Well, your birthday gift came from an ad. Right. Well, and the cool part is like, I think some people dog on it. But while there are definitely big companies in there, there's still so many smaller companies that are paying to play and you have the ability to get introduced to new people all the time that maybe you just would have never even found or discovered before, but now you have the joy of being able to shop with a small business. So I'm for it. I think it's a good thing. I know people have a lot of privacy concerns around it, but I don't know. In the world I live in, especially running this business, there's no, I feel like I have no say, <laughs> like, <laughs> like my, too much of my world is online anyway. So like, right. Like you couldn't run this business off the grid. Like that is not a thing. No. <laughs> no. So clearly that's, in, it's in I line just with accepted our personality. So, the fact that I'm everywhere. right. Right. I did find the article. So I want to read you a couple things. It was Volvo, by the way, who opened up the patent for a three point seatbelt. So this article is back from 2013, so it's not like totally up to date. Apparently, as of 2013, the three-point seatbelt has saved over 35,000 lives, which is bananas. Um, They decided that the invention was so significant, it had more value as a free life-saving tool than something to profit from, which I think is pretty incredible. The managing director is quoted as saying, the decision to release the three-point seatbelt patent was visionary and in line with Volvo's guiding principle of safety. So... I just think that that's such a heartfelt story. <laughs> I think it's so kind. So basically what we're saying is if you need something to talk about for date night or ladies night out or right. uh, discussions at the Thanksgiving table. Oh, it's past Thanksgiving. Sorry, guys. Sorry. If you need icebreakers for when you're at awkward family holiday dinners and New Year's Eve parties that you don't want to be at pull up a fact from one of these charts for real though and just act like you know what's going on in the world yeah there's some really cool they, they dive into like bitcoin currency and politics stuff and global stuff like it's pretty pretty phenomenal so go nerd out again that's chart r daily on instagram let us know what your favorite one is looking to elevate your brand without the headache join the co-op our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor, to get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. 
really love this show, it would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.